I think uh, at the end of my life, I want to look back and say, you know, I I tried my best. I um, tried to learn as much uh, uh, about the world as I could. And that goes back to our discussion on uh, how much knowledge you can really possess. Today, you'll hear a conversation with myself and a good friend of mine, Lamont Derson. Lamont is an aspiring physician, currently wrapping up her secondary school studies. She's one of the most inquisitive and curious people I know, and her dedication to lifelong learning is admirable and impressive for a young student. We spoke about gifted kid and advanced academic learning programs, burnout, and of course, developing a passion for lifelong learning. I truly hope you enjoyed today's episode. If you do, please consider leaving a rating and review on our show and following our Instagram page linked in the show notes. Without further ado, here is Lamont Derson. Um, hi, my name is Lamont. I am a high school student at Strathcona um, High School, and I'm one of Lindsay's friends. Good to meet you. <laughs> Welcome, Lamont. I'm really happy to have you on the show today. Um, so yeah, so I have you on the show today to discuss advanced academic or intellectual schooling programs, or like gifted kid programs as a blanket term, thanks to your extensive experience in these programs. Um, so I guess my first question is, can you speak a little more to your experience here at elementary and junior high? Uh, sure. So I was in a very academically oriented elementary and junior high school, and um, I didn't notice how academically oriented it was until I got into high school. And uh, I saw I met like different people who didn't have that experience. But, um, you know, I think personally, it was a good experience for me because it taught me a work ethic that I knew I wouldn't have gotten if I had been in um, a regular school program. And it also like pushed me because I was surrounded by people who were like a lot smarter than me. So um, I was always pushed to be, you know, smarter and that kind of thing. Um, but it was a negative experience in some aspects because we didn't have a lot of um, sports teams. There wasn't anything outside of like that academic bubble. And then when I went to high school, it was kind of a hard adjustment seeing everybody was doing all these extracurriculars. And I was very into like just studying and nothing else, but I've adjusted. So. So you say that your school was previously very academic, very intellectually mm-hmm. driven. Um, was that just like the the work that they gave you? It was just very, like very self-directed in the sense that you got a lot of homework? Uh, yes, it, there was a lot of homework and the expectation um, from the teachers was very high. Um whenever like there would be uh, an assignment or whatever, or even when we did like the PATs, my school, like the kids would always score extremely high. And people thought it was because, oh, the school is good. But in reality, it's the people in the school, like the kids, not even the teachers. So yeah, we had a lot more work than regular schools. We wore uniforms. Um, We were taught like a lot more discipline, I feel, um, because of, I don't know, just the environment was different. So if that makes sense. Yeah, for sure. That's a, that's a great answer. You're one of the most curious people I know, right? Um, many gifted programs often advertise that their program will help um, to foster a remarkable sense of curiosity in a student. Do you think that your curiosity was fostered by way of this program or um, is it simply innate oh. to who you are? Definitely. Yeah. (laughs) 
Um, you know, that's, that goes back to the whole nature nurture debate. But personally, um, my curiosity didn't come out of, um, like my schooling, it came out of this one experience when I was in Cambridge University, this medicine program. Um, and I was surrounded by people who were just like me, who were like really interested. Oh, well, I guess speaking to curiosity, um, that, oh my gosh, actually, honestly, that probably stems from um, my upbringing because I didn't have a lot of like computers or television and I had to like find ways to entertain myself. So um, books and homework were very entertaining. Well, that's kind of sad now that I think about it. But um, yeah, I think uh, the curiosity came naturally. The only thing that the academic programs gave me was really the work ethic and um, a sense of like really competition and drive. Um, they didn't give me the curiosity. Curiosity came from inside. It was kind of fostered, like a little flame growing. That's really interesting. I didn't know that. I Because that the Cambridge program was fairly recent right? That was yes. only like a year and a half ago. Yes. Oh, um, yeah, that was the first time I really like realized, like I, I always knew because um, for your listeners, um, I, I'm very interested in medicine. So I, like before then I was like, oh, you know, like a lot of people go into whatever, like I had a little bit of a spark. Um, but once I went to that program and I saw my passion reflected in other people, um, that's when it really like changed for me. I was like, wow, like I'm actually normal, you know, like, that sounds weird. That's really cool, though, because I don't know, maybe at school for you, I don't want to put words into your mouth, but you essentially only saw just like, I don't know, hard work in the form of homework and studying. But at, at Cambridge, you saw like intellectual passion. Exactly. Uh, passion, not as like a, a chore. Exactly. They see their work as, yeah, kind of like it's almost art in a way like it, it like they have a passion for their work. It's not just, yeah, the, um, uh, you know, drive, you know, initially academics for me was it was all kind of like a competition. Um, I would work hard, but not because I'm like interested in what I'm learning. The interest only came in like grade 11, I would say, um, when I actually started thinking about what I was doing and how I can apply it to the real world. And I think that actually came from the books I was reading, um, like all these things I've learned, like statistics and everything. And they're all just like numbers on paper. Um, but when you think about it in real world context, that's when the passion starts. That is very wise. And it's interesting you say that uh, school was primarily a competition for you. But at Cambridge, it was, you know, you, you saw the passions of people in their work. Um, so I'm interested to to hear more about do you, like, do you think that these academic challenge programs, the AP program, the program you were involved in in elementary school and junior high, are the, were those programs kind of squelching like the, the free inquiry and the, the, the I don't know, the, the, the passion yes. and I guess for lack of a better word, fun out of learning? Um, you know, I, I, yes, I would say that um, those programs are uh, to prepare you for the um, work demand that um, university will give you. And it, it really did. Like my academic program in, uh, uh, you know, junior high, it it was so intense that when I came to high school, it was actually a lot more chill. But then once you get into grade 12, um, with all the courses I'm taking, it was like a little bit more intense. But they don't take, um, like, it depends on how much you think into the program. Like, um, they they can take the fun out of things, but um, 
Oh, that's a very good, like, interesting point, Lindsay. I think um, it's all about, like, your own perception of it. If I can, like, uh, change the way I think about academics and say, like, oh, this is actually really interesting. Why exactly am I being taught to learn about this? Like, how can I apply it to the real world versus, oh, there's a test. Like, I need to um, score well, score better than Joe over there or whatever. You know what I mean? So I hope that answers your question. I'm kind of going off in a weird direction, but. I, no, I really like that answer um, because, you know, as, as a high school student myself, I often see kids just wanting to, you know, get a 90 on a test, get a 95 on the test without actually diving into the content and finding out what it really means to them. And that's one thing I really admire about you is because you're more, you're far more interested in the content of what you're learning in, in, in most respects than the scores you get. Of course, scores are important, but um I think that scores kind of take the power away from learning in some respects. That is very true. And um, I have heard of programs where they tried to focus on the learning and not as much about the score. But um, initially, the score is what drives you to work hard. And if you don't have like a good foundation of learning, then you can't go to those higher levels and you can't think out of the box based on the knowledge you're already given. Um, but even uh, when I was learning like something like chemistry, um, I don't know. It was just really fascinating um, to think of like all the little, you know, things that the world is made out of. Um, and those things uh, that I was thinking about then, like what, what I was learning in chemistry, that came from hard working junior high where I already knew all of the basic principles um, to a point where in high school, when I was learning about, you know, Dalton's theory of like atomic theory, um, I already knew all of that. So I could like go a little bit further, if that makes sense. Yeah, of course. Students need incentives um, to, to work hard in school, and scores are one of the few ways we can actually engineer that. Um, I'm not sure if you're familiar with it, but a current trend I'm seeing is like the gifted kid burnout trend on, on the internet, right? Mm -hmm. um, if you're not familiar, essentially what this trend focuses on is the, like the, resulted, the resulting sorry, toxic perfectionism many like gifted kids experience. Um, again, I'm using, I'm using the term gifted kid fairly liberally as it's unclear whether all of these people were truly gifted or just performed well at school. Um, but yeah, again, they face this toxic perfectionism as a consequence of the academic pressure in grade school. Do you think this is an inherent flaw of these programs, of these academic programs, that they put so much pressure on kids that they will inevitably burn out? Or do you think I, it's just kids being getting tired of school? Um, well, I think, uh, to look back at your uh, like the, the definition of a gifted kid, I think there are um, two streams of that. So like somebody who's very hardworking and somebody who has like a natural ability, but I think they both like stem out of hard work maybe. Um, but yeah, the gifted like kid burnout trend that is very prevalent. Um, I know for a fact that personally, um, I have experienced a little bit of burnout uh, because I, I, I didn't have a break this year. I had to study for a big test uh, the whole summer um, into like November. And by that time I was doing school um, and a lot of kids do get burnt out because of, you know, this high academic uh perfection put on them like this um mindset that they have to be perfect in every respect uh, whether it's by their parents or by themselves and um it's really destabilizing and then once you start uh, focusing so much on the academics like on the marks you forget like the whole um direction you're going uh as i said before like what this like how these um things apply to real life which is um 
pretty sad, <laughs> but I think you can regain it by taking a break, reading some books, and um, really thinking about what direction your life is going and how are you going to use these things, how these things apply to life. Even like when I'm driving down the road, I don't know, with my mom, I'll like look around and say, oh, like, look at that stop sign. Oh, I wonder if that's made out of aluminum. Oh, okay. Like what's the, what's the SPDF formation? I don't think everyone does that, but it really makes life interesting. See, so you're just, you'll, you'll just drive down the road and just think about the concrete on the highway. Yeah. I huh. think it, it really like um, makes you think in a more mindful way of everything you're experiencing. Um, even, you know, we spend so much time on the internet these days. And every time I turn on the computer and I'm thinking about like how the electrons in the computer are generating frequencies that um, are intercepted by, you know, my retinas and it's like transformed into images in my brain. And um, so it's, I, I don't know, like academics are really beautiful in that they can take everything that we do every day and turn them into uh, like something it, it feels like it's like a higher um purpose to academics you know it, it, they yeah, really make you think yeah, yeah exactly yeah because you're at school and you see some like math equations on a piece of paper or a, a powerpoint about some sort of i don't know chemistry principle um but you get very little real world context and i hate to be that person that's like when are we ever going to use this in the real world but but you will. It's just not it's just not apparent to you from right from the get go, right? Exactly, exactly. Okay, so just to stem off from that, what do you think about like the gifted kid label? Do you think it's really healthy to label kids as gifted at such a young age? Because of course, like some young children will be more advanced than others at school, but sooner or later, it seems to balance out more or less. Yes, I think. Um... It's very detrimental to a kid to be labeled as gifted um, because, first of all, uh, you're putting that pressure on them. Then if, you know, their marks start to go downhill, they'll feel really bad about themselves and then lose confidence. Um, and on the other, like the flip side, when uh, you're in school and say you're not a gifted kid, uh, so to speak, um, and you compare yourself to uh, a kid who's more gifted, you end up feeling bad about yourself and then you might, you know, take out your anger on them. Um, but I feel like uh, there, there are many types of intelligence and just scoring well on, a, on an exam isn't going to um, define you. And uh, it's not what you know, it's what you do with what you know, in a way. And the other thing to think about is, you know, we all have like a unique fingerprint. We're all unique individuals. Um, so by labeling somebody as gifted when uh, the definition of a gifted kid is so like convoluted at this point. Um, it, it can be really harmful to everybody involved. Yeah, of course. Like, I, I mean, every parent probably sees their child as gifted, but in actuality, that isn't the case. Yes. So maybe do you think that like the a the AP programs and IB programs being offered at like overpopulated public schools? Do you think they maybe like dilute the actual necessity for gifted kid programs? Um. You know, I, I have a bone to chew with AP and IB programs. They they don't necessarily, um, like putting yourself into a, an AP program, IB program, it's not because you're gifted a lot of the time. Of course, of course. Um, yeah, yeah it's, it's for like um, preparation for university to put that extra workload on. Um, maybe I'm losing track of your question. Maybe if you could restate that. <laughs> yeah, sure. So... Gifted kid programs are so prevalent throughout public public schools today. They're no longer the academic alternative they once were. Um, and so if you go into an AP or an IB class, a very small fraction of those students are going to be actually 
intellectually gifted or academically gifted. So do you think there's really a point then if they're just becoming mainstream education? Oh, I see what you're getting at here. Um, oh, yeah. Yes. Um, there, you're right. It's, it's really becoming mainstream. I'd have to say... I think it's it's good that these um, high highly academic programs are becoming more mainstream because um, more people like feel the pressure to go into them and maybe they will discover something more about themselves um, going into them. But uh, it it really dilutes like the whole gifted kid thing, you know, um, because if like everybody's going into these programs, um, they're not really for gifted kids anymore. Um, and then on the other side of that, you've got like the peer pressure of people going into the uh, APIB program because a lot of their friends are and they feel like they'll be, you know, stupid or something like that if they just stay in uh, the mainstream. Um, so very interesting, Lindsay. I, I I don't really have a good answer for that one. That's OK. That's OK. But I find, yeah, I totally agree with you on the sense that there's a lot of peer pressure revolving um, these these programs. I see it. I see it myself. And, you know, you and I, we're from Alberta. We follow Alberta's um, curriculum. And Alberta is one of the most challenging in the world. And then we have this AP program on top of it. Yet, if you're not in the AP program or the IB program, you, you're, in, you're indirectly in one way or another labeled as, as less smart. I'm not going to say dumb, but like less smart than those in the AP program. Yes, that's very true. I Which agree with that. It's quite frustrating because I know I I didn't continue with AP into grade grade twelve, um, and I know so many kids who are so smart and just just really advanced thinkers that are not in AP. So I don't know. Do do you think that the whole AP program is kind of a scam in that sense that it's really not like the smartest kids? It's just the kids who either want the label of AP or the college credit? Yeah, I would say that's definitely a lot of what it is, is people wanting the college credit um, or, you know, the label. But there are uh, a very few um, in the AP program because, like, they want to have, like, that higher learning. They want to learn a little bit more about a subject. Personally, um, I took AP Calculus, AP Statistics, and AP Bio, um, and it was all for college. The only one that I would have taken uh, if I didn't have to do it for the college would be um, AP Bio because I'm really interested in biology. But the other ones, um, you know, if you go into AP, uh, just, like, if you don't go into AP, it doesn't mean you're not smart. Um, because people can be smart in like many different ways, which can go back to our whole debate on what is intelligence. Um, but just being in the AP program shouldn't define you as smart. A lot of the time people have different reasons for going into it. So, yeah. Of course not. I totally, I totally agree. So again, as I mentioned before, the AP program, at least here in Alberta is essentially the regular program just enriched with more content. And that removes a lot of the free inquiry that, I don't know, maybe in my opinion, should be included in such an advanced class. Um, so do you really think that would foster, that that does, programs like these do foster um, the, the whole free inquiry sense of curiosity that these quote unquote gifted kids should have? Um, oh, I see what you're saying. So, um... I think the purpose of this program specifically is to prepare you for university. It's not to um, uh, develop that inquiry, that curiosity, um, which I think is 
uh, a sad part of the program. And um, when you define like a gifted kid program, um, it could be defined as, you know, something that makes kids, you know, curious about something or uh, something that just like pushes them academically. I think uh, the AP program pushes you academically. And yes, one of the downfalls is that you can't have that um, self-directed education, learn about like the things you're interested in. Um, but I, I, it does prepare you a little bit better for university, um, just the, like the workload, um, all the assignments, that kind of thing. So I think it's good in that respect, but it doesn't make you any smarter. Like you might know more facts, but I think it's just all about time management. Does it really prepare you for university though? Like, I know you can't speak on that because you're not yet a university student. So how can you make the claim that it does indeed prepare you for university? Very good point, Lindsay. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, I'm not in university. You're right. Um, I've seen my brother's workload and, you know, you if just, you, you take... You deem a higher workload with better preparation for university. Is that what you're saying? It, exactly. Like, it's a higher workload and I I can... Um, I'm, I'm thinking, I'm guessing that university is probably going to be a higher workload than high school. And if you're trying to achieve a higher GPA uh, to apply to like a secondary program like medicine or dentistry, then having a little bit extra knowledge before you go in uh, can be very beneficial just to boost your GPA. Okay, but what about on the front of like free thinking and thinking for yourself and really making an effort to form your own thoughts and opinions um, at an advanced level? Having a higher a higher workload wouldn't necessarily help with that, would it? No, it really wouldn't. I find that when I have... Um, a very tough workload in a week. I don't get a lot of, um, you know, sparked thoughts. Like a lot of the time, um, it's just, uh, you know, thinking about time management, which really detracts from that freedom of thinking. So I think you're right on that. Um, so if we're, if we're looking at AP through that lens and IB and all of those gifted kid programs, I'd say that they definitely take away from the free thinking aspect of it because there's not a lot of like, self-directed learning it's more like you have to memorize all these facts and uh write a test in a very short amount of time um so i think it really depends on what you want to go into in life as well um because yeah and just another thing that i wanted to discuss was you did say that like a test score a test score doesn't necessarily define a person or define their intelligence at all yet that's essentially what universities are banking on when they're looking at our ap scores right? They see a five yes. and they're like, oh, wow, they're going to do really well in this program. But could that, could that even really be said? Um, I know that's a deep question because you're just a student, right? So I, I, yeah. I, oh. <laughs> um, I, I definitely think that the way that universities assess us today um, can be improved upon. I know for all of the Canadian universities, there aren't uh, like they just uh, put you in based on your average, based on, you know, AP credits. Well, not all of them um, versus uh, the universities I'm applying to uh, in England. They have like certain aptitude tests and like interviews. Um, but I think interviews are definitely a way better uh, indicator of uh, how good a student is, like um, thinking academically, free thinking, all that kind of thing. Because if you can't think on your feet, if all you are is just like a bunch of memorized facts, um, and then you can like uh, time management well, and you can uh, write tests well, um, that really, you know, what is education then? Like if your education is just memorization of facts, it's about you, like how you apply them and how you can think about concepts, I think that really makes someone, you know, gifted. 
well said. And yeah, I, I just I would I would agree, right? I I would say that memorizing facts and performing well on a test, sure, maybe that's education, but what is learning, right? Oh, how can we yes. how can we foster learning in such an environment that allows kids to speak to think for themselves and um, actually have a sense of curiosity? Because nine out of nine out of ten times, what what I witness across my my peer groups is that again. They just want high scores. They don't actually care about what they're learning. And they say that they hate school, but they really don't. School just isn't set up in such a way that they can love it. Right? Yes. I even find that myself. Like I am I love writing. I love the social sciences and social studies. But even I would dread going to social studies class because the writing assignments were so rigid, the discussions were few and far between. And it was just really frustrating for me, right? Because what I loved about the programs was the free thinking and the discussions. And we got very little of that. And it just wasn't reflected well in the program itself. Even in AP, I found it worse in AP social studies too, because yeah. there was just so much content to cover. We could never get to the current affairs or the, um, the debates. I, uh, yeah, I definitely agree. Um, I'm in regular social studies right now, and we've had a lot more discussions than I've ever had in a social studies class just because um, we don't have all that extra content. Um, and we even had like discussions on racism, which I've never had. And those I feel like are very, like much more important than discussing like 18th century fascism. You know what I mean? Um, so yeah, I, I think you're right in that respect. But um, in terms of moving forward, what like I would like to see in the education system. Um, I mean, okay, at the end of the day, when you're thinking of um, how universities assess you and what your university is for, I think it's all based on individual interest. Like uh, if you're wanting to go into university to do a job like nursing or medicine or law, there um, you have to have those you know time management skills. I know we're going back to that um, and everything. So it, it really depends on what you want to do. And school can be helpful in those respects. I, I don't know what I'm saying. <laughs> Sorry. No, that totally but- makes sense. So essentially... The time management skills and the strong work ethic that these programs do foster are important, um, are important indirectly. Yes, yes. yes. I, it, it all depends on um, what your future is. That's why people have such like different perspectives on everything. But I'm curious, Lindsay, what do you think uh, we should do to reform the education system? Like, What changes would you like to see? That's a great question. I think that it all comes down to class sizes and teachers which comes down to money, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, Like almost any other issue. But essentially, what I would like to see are teachers that are held to a higher standard, right? That are, Mm -hmm. that that do, that are incentivized to provide the kind of free thinking environment that students should be in. Um, I think it should be, that classes should be more centered around learning and um, discussing and um, again, free thinking. I, I feel like I've said that time and time again throughout this episode, mm-hmm. but less of an emphasis on multiple choice tests, especially in like English and the social sciences, and um, more of an emphasis on um, like current affairs, what our future is going to look like with with AI and such, and less about history. History is still important, and of course, I, I don't think we should like abolish. Alberta's history program in, in any sense, but yeah, just like less, less testing, more learning, less, 
I don't want to say less education, more learning, but you know what I mean, right? I, I think both you and I witnessed that in, in French class this year. Lamont and I were in the same French class this year. And because there, were, there wasn't a final exam because of COVID, um, our teacher was able to focus more on, 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 on learning and um, allowing us to really practice our French in such a safe environment. And I think that really helped me out um, because I had never had that experience. Beforehand, in, throughout my entire French learning career, it was just about tests, just about learning verbs. And that really never helped me foster any sort of lang language skill. In light of COVID, we can really change our perspective on what learning is and what education should look like. Um, in respects to class sizes, again, these are problems that are not an overnight fix, but I think class sizes should be smaller and I don't see anyone who would disagree with me. What do you think? Yeah, I agree with you. I know like, um... Uh, education, like COVID has made us look, uh, that's a whole different discussion, but it's made us um, look at a lot of things in different ways. And uh, that whole thing with remote learning, and we can discuss technology later. But um, I, I understand what you're saying, Lindsay, about having uh, less emphasis on tests and more emphasis on learning, because the test can cause a lot of anxiety, um, which uh, it, it, it doesn't help you um, learn. But then um, I think from elementary to junior high, um, just learning those basic facts is very important and having assessments that test you on the basic facts because without like the, the basic knowledge, you can't move on and think um, in higher levels, uh, so to say. And also, you know, structuring your writing and whatever. Um, but you're right. In certain subjects, for example, the humanities, I think there should be um, less emphasis on, yeah, all those um, uh uh, assessments and more emphasis on how much did you participate in the class discussion because I know in my class is about six people who talk and everybody else just sits there on their phones right so um if you're uh better able to like discuss in class I think that's a very worthy skill especially going into like anything anything in life um because issues like racism those go into like any uh job you're into or um I don't know what what else were we talking about I can't remember um, but uh, learning is more about um, free thinking uh, uh, than, you know, the test skills. But those are very important for basic knowledge to help us think um, in higher respects, I think. That's, of course, that's and that, that's one of the major flaws of the education system we see today is that our school system is now a factory system where every kid is just moved on to the next level without being a accurately assessed at how they're doing at the level beforehand um and they may not even even be you know at a high level or a level high enough in which would allow them to succeed at the next level and then yeah. the kids are just left behind and it's it ruins their confidence it, it, it really and again it, it can um like i don't know i don't want to say they ruin the classes but it kind of it kind of dampens for lack of a better word, vibe. Oh my God. Um, <laughs> and again, um, just to pick off what, what you were saying before, um, when it all comes down to it, change in society is driven by debate and discussion, not by multiple choice exams about you know different wars and stuff. Of course, those are important. I'm not discrediting those. But again, like you said, there are just kids in your, in your social class that just sit on their phones while remaining five or six kids do participate in discussions how helpful is that right how 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 will that prepare um, our future generations when they can't even communicate effectively in a discussion 
about yes. a topic that's that's way bigger than themselves and far more important than dare I say most things they've ever discussed in like their <laughs> pure conversations. Yeah. It's kind of sad that there's not as much um, participation in my regular classes as in my AP classes. Oh, and that's the other thing I want to say about AP classes is that they do put you in an environment um, with other people who are very high achieving or who have strict parents in my case. Um, (laughs) And um, so I I feel like if you're in the program, um, you will meet people who are more like-minded in that sense. But it, it really, it... I feel like there can be better programs in place. And a lot of the time, like, it's just the college board racking in money, you know? For sure. Um, yeah. And I've discussed that extensively in, in my past episode about standardized testing. It can be quite a problem. But I do agree with you in the sense that being surrounded with like-minded individuals is, in a lot of cases, everything in fostering student success. I've even witnessed that firsthand in junior high. Less so in, in high school. I wasn't a, a big fan of the AP program at my high school, but um, I totally agree with you. Your environment and kind of, you know, the people who surround you can make a very big difference in the class setting and just like, and and your success in the class and and the discussions that are sparked as a result. Exactly. Um, One thing that I really admire about you is your incredible commitment to lifelong learning and how relentless you are in your pursuit of becoming a more advanced thinker and a generally more knowledgeable person. Um, Do you have any advice for students out there who are looking to furthering their intellectual or academic horizons, but maybe uninspired by conventional curricula laid out by by school systems? Um, Yes, I do. Thank you so much, Lindsay. That is um, a great compliment. I would say you're also a lifelong learner. Um, But my advice for students is, read books, um, pay attention to the world around you and listen to podcasts because, um, like, just like this one. Um, so they're already on the right track if they're listening to this podcast. Um, but it, once you find something that really interests you, or you start thinking about the world in, um, a a way that most people don't see it, you know, keep on looking for those angles that, um, you know, make life more interesting. That's when um, you start to realize the importance of the facts that you learn in school. Um, And therefore you start, you know, you pay more attention and then you start to learn more. Um, And lifelong learning is so important. Uh, Reflecting on yourself, reflecting on society, um, because at the end of the day, uh, defining your life, you have to know how you lived it, right? You have to know why you did the things. You, well, okay, that's a completely different discussion. But no, no, um, go, go on. This is really interesting. Yes. <laughs> so um, I think uh, at the end of my life, I want to look back and say, you know, I I tried my best. I um, tried to learn as much uh, uh, about the world as I could. And that goes back to our discussion on uh, how much knowledge you can really possess. And um, I think pay att- pay- paying attention in school is uh, the beginning of that. Um, learning little things about, you know, chemistry and uh, math and all of that. And then seeing how you can apply it to the real world very important um, in any program you're in because any job even that you go into because who knows COVID might happen and then you're out of a job and you have to think creatively in different ways so um, yeah that's my advice. (laughs) That is really well said and it sparks one of my favorite conversations of all time how much knowledge (laughs) humans can possess Um, it's quite inspiring and can I just add something to this yes because yeah thank you Um, 
One thing I do want to add is that what you're learning in school, especially in junior high and high school, it's a very broad overview of concepts. So if you find yourself even mildly interested in, in one particular aspect of one, even if it's just one slide on a PowerPoint in social studies, research that extensively. And you will find that passions can stem from the wildest things, but it can bring you so much joy and just make you a more curious person and a more interesting person and a more interested person. So that was very well put, Lindsay. Very you, good Lamont. job. <laughs> Thanks for being on the show today, Lamont. I really enjoyed this conversation. Thanks for having me, Lindsay. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Thanks for listening to today's episode of You Do the Talking. If you enjoyed this conversation, please consider leaving a rating and review, sharing with your friends and family, and following us on social media. Ensure you're subscribed and you'll hear from us every Friday at 9 a.m. Pacific.